Amen. Praise God. Well, good morning, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a good morning. Amen. It is a good morning, and we need to learn. I tell you what, we really need to learn how to smile a little bit more. I think smiling in a lot of ways shows that we love Jesus. Some pe sometimes the people, all they really need is a smile. There's a lot of people that are hurting, and all they need is a smile. Amen? Well, we're coming off of a big, a big year, starting uh, in October, actually. We started to put this thing together, and God has been really faithful. And God has actually done incredible miracles all along the way. And um, I, I just want to tell you, it's been, it's been so amazing that... Uh, Probably once a week I would say to my family around the dinner table, God did another miracle. God did another miracle to pull this thing off because, uh, first of all, you usually need a year to pull off a Convoy of Hope outreach. And we only had about six months, even though we started talking about it in October. Uh, we actually were told by the town, parks, and recreation that there was no way that they would be able to give us permission to use a town park in the middle of the summer or right before the summer. They said, maybe in the fall, we'll let you know. And we said, no, June the 9th is the day that we really felt God told us to do this. And we prayed and fasted for 72 hours. And that same week, and Gabrielle was here, that same week Gabrielle called the, the town and parks again and they said, you know what, the commissioner wants to talk to you because we want to help you with this and they were willing to then give us a park and and then and then all kinds of things you know the enemy tries in every single way to shut us down but you know what when God says something's gonna get done it gets done amen and just even up until Tuesday of the week before this past Tuesday we were having some legal issues that could have literally shut us down and even up to the day I think it was Friday there were things that we were still really fighting through fighting through fighting through but you never give up and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later but it was amazing to see how God provided in every single way we needed seventy two thousand dollars that's our budget that was our budget and man God just showed up in a big way you guys showed up in a big way but people began to give and give and give and it was amazing what the Lord did so let me let me give you a couple of statistics and then we're gonna um, actually uh, turn it over to some of the folks that are here to just to, to share with you some stories that I think are life-changing uh, but but we're glad to tell you today that through this outreach this is so awesome we were able to minister to to pray for minister to and bless 5,000 approximately 200 people 5,000 approximately 200 people isn't that unbelievable unbelievable I said 5,200 people that's incredible and uh, we were able to actually pray physically four people. We had prayer tents and we were able to pray for over 3,000 people uh, yesterday. Come on somebody. Awesome. We were able to give out 600 brand new sneakers. 600 brand new sneakers and before they were given the sneakers they were given the opportunity to have their feet washed and let me tell you when you walk into that tent it's like you fell on holy ground it's amazing I think that tent out of all the tents that were there 
felt like you were on holy ground. It was amazing. And people, they need dignity. They need love. And it's amazing what can happen when someone has a little bit of love and compassion. Amen? Uh, I have been working with two, actually, two different government officials. And uh, one is a legislator and one is a councilman. And I know them very, very well. And they attend a lot of our outreaches. And one of them came to the outreach yesterday earlier that the second one uh, Fran Becker came uh, actually uh, later on but but one of them came uh, early in the in in the outreach and um, and he looked around and he said Pastor Malazzo he said I know you told me that you were gonna do something but this is unbelievable he said I am in awe of what I see here and I walked him around from tent to tent and we started out in the hair cutting tents and all of that stuff and the medical unit and walked them around, walked them around. And we got to the tent where they were washing people's feet. And I said to this government official, I said, this is exactly what Jesus would do. People need love and dignity. And you could just see him incredibly visibly moved by this. And we kept on going around and then I showed him the prayer tent. And then we went into the children's area and he stopped me and he said, Reverend, he said, I'm reading a book right now. It's called Unbreakable. And it's a book about a, a, a man who went through some incredible times. And there was this evangelist. Uh, uh, he said, um, I think his name was Billy Graham. <laughs> And, 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 and he said he told the story about how this man came to know God and he became um, uh, born again or something, you know. And, and I stood in the middle of the field with this man that I know for years and I shared the gospel with this government official. And he put his arms around me and he said, thank you so much, man. I'm telling you what, God is something up to something big, something big. And that's just one of the illustrations of the key people that God touched yesterday through this whole thing. A hundred, about 135 to 150 people gave their lives to Jesus yesterday. Somebody say amen. I mean, literally are going to be followed up. Many others were prayed for. We don't know all the... We don't know all the people that actually gave their lives to Jesus, but those are the ones that we got cards for that we're going to be able to follow up with. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome to think about what God has done? And you know, the church, the, the greatest miracle of all in this whole thing is not the fact that we ministered to 5,200 people, which, you know, is an incredible number of people that came through that but it was the churches, 40 plus churches that got together and they said, we don't care who gets the credit. You know, you didn't hear the names of churches. You heard Convoy, Convoy, Convoy. You didn't hear Bethlehem Assembly of God. You didn't hear the names of churches. What you heard was Convoy of Hope. That There's a group of people, there's a group of churches that are gathering together. And 40 different churches gathered together. And these were pastors, many of them that I never met before in my life. And that I said, can you join us to do this together? And today we have a relationship with one another and the pastor said please pastor steve don't let this stop this is powerful we need to do this again next year come on somebody unbelievable and i think and i believe with all my heart the greatest miracle even though all those other statistics are miraculous the greatest miracle of all was that the church is getting its act together and working together as a team. I think we are the sleeping giant that the world needs and the devil is afraid of and God is awaiting for that giant to arise. Let me tell you one other story that I thought was such a powerful story. Um, we, we actually uh, opened the doors at 10 o'clock, uh, but there were people that lined up at about 9 o'clock. 
And I was kind of getting concerned because I saw there was maybe a couple of hundred, maybe 400 people that had lined up uh, before the thing happened. And I had forgotten that it started at 10. You know how I am. I'm amped up. I was ready to go at 4 o'clock yesterday morning. You know, like, come on, bring it on, right? And um, so, so I forgot. So uh, I'm like, man, there's not enough people. So I go out, me and Peter, Pastor Peter, we went out and we actually handed out more and more. We got to get more people. Peter, what are we going to do? We got to get out there and get more people. And so we, we're handing out flyers, handing out flyers. And I come back and I forgot. And I'm like, this, you know, where are the people? You know, it's like 400 people. And, and somebody reminded me, Pastor Steve, it's only 930 in the morning, you know. And so my daughter, at about quarter to ten, my daughter says to me, Dad, she says, I'm over at the food distribution center. She said, and Dad, I will never forget this. She's 17 years old. She said to me, Dad, I will never forget this. She said, a little boy and his mom came to get some groceries. And he looked at his mom and he said, tonight, Mom, we get to eat. And I thought to myself, that's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do, because Jesus told us to feed the poor. Jesus told us to do what he did. Blessed all the poor. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And so all we need to do is be obedient, man. Just say, I, here I am, God, and God will, will use us. I, I'm going to ask. I'm going to do something unprecedented. This is kind of like an old-fashioned testimony service. But I'm going to ask um, uh, Gabrielle and Pete if you would come. Uh, but we're going to invite a few of you that you, you just heard a story. Now, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm pretty tough on this, all right? So if you start preaching or you take more than two minutes, I've, I've got to, there's a trap door right here. And the guys in the back, they've got this thing, up, and you're going to go down, all right? So don't mess with me when it comes to this, all right? Uh, and nobody's going to come now. <laughs> no way. We're going to be standing off to the side over here, right, right over here. It's like, where's that trap door? But if you have a story, and just a few of you, if you have a story, something that, man, everyone else needs to hear. Maybe someone uh, when you were washing somebody's feet or someone when you were giving them groceries. Could you come for a moment? Does anybody have a good story? Please don't keep it to yourself because this is what's going to help other Christians get involved. Anybody have a good story? Just come up quickly. I know somebody's just going to move any second now. Come on. Somebody help us out. Just a few stories. Anybody? Yeah, come on up, brother, real quick. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll keep you right here so you won't be afraid of the trap door. <laughs> Praise real the Lord. Um, yesterday, me and my prayer partner, we were the intercessory prayers to walking around the grounds and praying. And, you know, the rain had started to come down to dribble. And we prayed. And, and like in a few minutes after we prayed, the Lord stopped the rain twice. And then the sun came out that I hadn't even needed my shades. You know, so, so that, was God, you know, that was really a miracle. Yeah. And I was so pleased and so glad the Lord answered our prayer quickly. He didn't take long. Amen. Thank yeah. you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. Anybody else, if you want to come, just come quickly. I worked in the grocery uh, area. And what happened was we helped the people to the car with their groceries. And there was this one uh, elderly lady, and she had her walker, and I was helping her with the car. And when I got to her car, I'm like, wow. I'm like, she needs groceries? I'm like, I have a car that's 10 years old, and she has a car that's 10 months old. And I'm like, what's the story? And, uh, you know, they told us not to prejudge because we don't know everybody's story. But what had happened was her son, who really, you know, he was 
starting over again after Ness's divorce, could not make it, and he really needed the groceries. So what happened, you know, she told me the story, and I said, well, God bless you, thank you for, you know, giving him these groceries. She got her son on the phone, and I spoke to him really briefly. He said, thank you very much. You know, I could not make it there. My mom is making it for me. You know, it's been rough. I'm trying to start over. And he just said, thank you very much. I told him, you know, we're from Convoy Hope, and we're Bethlehem Assembly of God, Bethlehem Assembly of God, and he's coming, you know. And he said, well, maybe he'll come and check us out, him and his mom also. So I thought that was a blessing. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Yes. Anybody else, if you want to come, if you have a story? Hi. I was working in the back entrance um, doing the greeting and I saw um, an elderly man in a wheelchair and he was by himself and he was making a phone call and I asked him, are you waiting for someone? And he said no. And he was paralyzed on one side and he's moving the wheelchair with one arm and one foot. So I took him around and I brought him in and we went to go for a haircut. It was 10.30 and they were already full. So I spoke with someone and I asked, he came all the way this here by bus wow. just for a haircut. Wow. So they said, not a problem, come back later when the crowd dies down. So I took him around in the grass and he wanted coffee. We sat him, everyone was so nice, they came, they brought him everything he wanted, they brought him the coffee. Um, I went to get him food. By the time I came back, someone else had brought him food. He goes, I'll take them both. I haven't eaten. Wow. So I just felt wow. wonderful. Then the next thing I told him, where do you want to go? He wanted to go to the medical tent. There was a young man. Um, I don't know if he, what church he was from. But because this was a man and I'm a female, I asked him, would you mind if you would now take him for his medical and then take him back for the haircut? And this young man had no problem. He took off his jacket and he took over from there. And it was, those two, just that event alone was a wonderful experience. And helping a lady carry those groceries. The groceries they got, they were a lot. It was heavy. This one lady was walking with four bags and would take a couple of steps and put the bags down. Take a couple of steps, put the bags down. So I asked her if she needed help and she said, God bless you, thank you. And I took the groceries and we walked. And when we got to the guys wearing the yellow, they saw us two struggling and they took all the groceries and continued the trip. It was a great, great day. Amen, thank you, thank you very much. Hey, um, I'm walking through the haircut uh, area and this woman's getting her haircut. And, and I said, wow, you look fabulous. And she says, and she's an elderly lady, and she says, yes, and I got a facial as well. And, and she said, this is the first time I've ever gotten a facial before. And I, and I went to just put my hand on her face for a moment and say how beautiful she was. And she says, don't touch, I just got it done. <laughs> Yesterday was amazing. Um, I actually was at the community services representing House of Hope as well as Bethlehem. And um, there were several people that came that truly moved me, but this one in particular was actually a lady who said her best friend's house was just burnt down. She had seven children, one was in a, a wheelchair, and um, she didn't know we existed. So I proceeded to tell her that we will supply the clothes. Please give us a call, give us the sizes. Um, if she can't make it, I'll drive the clothes 
to her for her children. So that was really, you know, when you think that you're going through a lot, just to hear these stories really moved me and I had no complaints about anything when I got home. <laughs> so I really, um, the experience really moved me and helped me to get closer to God and understand why I'm here. Amen, amen, amen. Hi, good morning everybody. Um, I was in the tent where they're washing the feet and um, I, was, I started um, greeting everybody because that's what I love to do. I love to greet people. And um, I told one of the guys that was washing the feet, listen, when you get tired, just let me know. And then I go in and start washing feet. And this guy just like probably took about an hour until he got tired and then he came back to me and he says, it's your turn. So I went and I asked this other lady who's uh, my sister-in-law's uh, mom and she was helping me too. And um, I don't know, for some reason, at the time that I went to uh, sit down and start, you know, preparing the water and putting gloves on, and, you know, at the same time, I was like, oh my God, I don't know how, you know, why am I going to start watching people's feet? I didn't know, I didn't want to start doing that. I was like, oh, this, I, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like dirty. I don't know. I, I felt like kind of gross about it. But then at the same time, God said to me, Tesca, stop. You know, this is, this is what I did when I was... So this uh, Spanish uh, guy, his name was um, Alfredo uh, Quintanilla, and he, came, and he came and then he's telling me, uh, listen, you know, I don't want you to pray for me. I don't want you to, uh, I just want my shoes wow. in Spanish. And then I'm like, listen, you know, uh, do you know God? Do you, do you, have you accepted Jesus Christ? And he's like, no, I don't want, I don't want to accept him. And then he's like, why? He's like, because, you know, right now I don't think it's the, t it's the time. And then he goes to me. Well, I said, do you have a job? Said, and he's like, no, I don't have a job. Do you have a job for me? And then he goes, well, you know, I don't know why God told me to ask you this, but um, in my company, there is some, uh, my boss is actually hiring somebody right now. Do you have the experience? He's like, yes, I have my own tools. And then I'm like, well, give me your number. I'll see what I can do for you. And then when I said that, he goes, okay, Seska, please pray for me. Because, and I'm like, see, I'm like, you know, I don't know why God put you here, but you know, but I mean, it's, you know, it's a pleasure for me to just even tell you that God loves you. God is here for you. And this is why God sent me here to tell you that there's a job out there for you. So Amen. I was very, very moved by it. And then uh, I hope he gets the job. Amen. 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 Good morning. There was a man with two, two boys who came in, and then um, I asked him after I greeted. I was one of the greeters, first of all, and uh, we were all excited, and I made some divine connection. Thank God I waited because I wanted to go in the prayer group uh, at the beginning, and I said, you know what, I'm going to wait. And I waited, I waited to the last minute. They got me in a group to greet the people at the front, at the entrance, where it says, welcome. And um, we were so excited, laughing, and people were coming. We were hugging them, and they were excited. So this man came in, and something told me to uh, ask him if he wanted prayer. And um, he said, uh, yes. And then um, I began to pray. I said, what is your prayer need? 
And uh, he said, well, uh, pray for my wife. She's incarcerated and I am with my two boys and I need some food. I wow. said, we have all the food. Let me pray for you. So I called the ladies who were with me and uh, we began to pray. And he said, uh, I said, why was your wife incarcerated? Because she was, she was, um, she uh, beat up one of the kids wow. and she was drunk. So she has immigration problem. It's a whole lot of problems that she has. Said, he said, pray for me because I want my wife back. And he started weeping and we were weeping with him. And it was a fun day. The kids were so excited. They said, please pray for my mommy to come home. Mm. Please. Amen. 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 Um, when I first got to the event, I thought there was no reason for me. <laughs> and then um, I went towards the medical tent and uh, I saw the mental health substance abuse area. And I was like, wow, God sent me right to my area of specialty. But there wasn't that many people because it's a touchy topic. You know, people like to get their blood pressure checked, diabetes. But when it comes to that area, people don't usually come out. But I did get to speak to a few people and identify with them. But it, one girl that touched my heart was a young girl um, who I was really, you know, she had to leave early so she didn't get to see a doctor. But I was able to talk to her right before she had to leave. And she was about maybe early 20s when I had given birth to my son. I, I was about 21, so that's about what she was. And she was going through extreme postpartum depression, which I had also, and I was able to identify with her. And um, her boyfriend was very, very young. The baby was beautiful. And uh, she said she didn't know what to do with her life, you know. And I started speaking to her. She said the doctor had given her a medication, which happened to be the same exact medication the doctor had given me when I was uh, postpartum. And I told her, you know, you're of no use to that baby, you know, if mommy's not okay. And she winded up, you know, talking to me. And I started talking to her about God. And she happened to be a believer, but she said she put God on the back burner. So um, I started talking to her and I told her, you know, sometimes you have to take that medication because she didn't want to take the medicine. And she said, you know what, sometimes you're right. When I take that medication, I do feel a little bit better and able to do things for my baby, but I don't like taking it. And I said, well, I didn't like to either, but sometimes you have to take your medication to get better and you need to rely on God. So we're talking back and forth and then she had to go and she gives me a big hug and she says, can you keep me in your prayers? And she said, praise God, I'm glad I got to talk to you. So. Amen. 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 I mean, just think about where you would have been yesterday, what you would have been doing yesterday if you weren't loving somebody. How many times do we get an opportunity on a daily basis to do what we did yesterday for 5,200 people. One more testimony. Hi guys. Um, I was working the security of the kids zone as far as the exit was concerned and I tell you the guys there were well coordinated. We had to check all the kids who with their tags because um, parents couldn't leave their kids in there because as you know in block parties the kids are running all over the place and the parents are somewhere else. But here we had it well coordinated. We worked with a lot of people, and it was amazing how many see, to see how many young people were actually. There was this one kid. I, I wish I knew his name, but he was walking around. He was cleaning up. He had a garbage bag. There wasn't a garbage can that wasn't always empty. 
I, I was just amazing. And then the parents were trying to get in through the exit, and we, we had to be the, the ones who were telling them, listen, you can't come in this way. You have to go in through the other side. And they give us this long look. But they were all frowning. But by the time they went through and came out, and we said, hey, did you have a great time? They were most 90% of them were smiling. And it was just a, well, it was a blessing. Um, Steve and Patrick, who are part of our security team here, were amazing. We had a lot of lost kids. And they were able to either find the parents or find the kids Amen. through all those, throughout that big kid zone. It was just amazing. Well Amen. coordinated. God Amen. was definitely blessing us. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Amen. <clears throat> and um, in order to put this on, you need um, one lead church, which we were the lead church, that would take the lion's share of the, of the, uh, whole, the whole event. And uh, one of the things we needed to do is have a coordinator and assign someone. And we assigned Gabrielle to be the coordinator. And let me tell you something. I am so proud of Gabrielle. She has done an outstanding, phenomenal job. It has shown God's gift in our life. I texted her this morning and I said, just think you're 24 years old. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. But um, I want her to share with you because she really was the energy. She was the administrative force behind this. And um, there were many, many, many nights where she was late nights, uh, Saturdays. She's put in a lot of extra time. She gets a couple of days off after this one. Um, but, but she's put in a, a phenomenal amount of time. And, and I just want to let you know that I really believe that God is raising up a generation of young, young people. And we need to foster that. We need to encourage our young people that they exist for a reason. And that is to glorify God and to help people. Amen. So I'm going to ask, actually I'm going to ask Peter first to come. Peter, and then Gab's going to kind of finish it up because she's got something she wants to say. But what I was saying was is that you need a coordinator and then you need 30 to 35 people under the coordinator to actually oversee areas and one oversees the financial piece, one oversees the setup piece, one oversees the outreach, one oversees the, the news and media blitz and all of that. And Peter, uh, and, and let me tell you, this is Pastor Peter actually. He's a pastor, ordained pastor. And um, he is, he's actually a volunteer minister at Bethlehem Assembly of God. That's the best kind of all for a lot of reasons, you know. It, 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 it shows you where your heart is. That's, that's what it is. And uh, Peter's a very successful businessman. But there were many days when he went out in the street himself. He went to Home Depot. He said, Pastor Steve, I just stopped at Home Depot and I hit a whole bunch of people up with the flyers, you know. And, and he went out on Friday and then he went out on Monday and he went out all during the week. And, you know, he has a, he's a, got a very, very busy schedule. But he really committed himself to this. And his, his part was not just to hand, his part was not to hand out flyers. His part was to raise the finances for this. And I just want you for a few moments, uh, Pete, to just tell everybody what the Lord did through that whole area. Praise God. Yes. Praise, hello? Got me. Praise God. Um, when Gab came to me about six months ago and said, um, she asked me to do the financial part of this whole thing, I was really excited. And then she said to me, but this is how much we have to raise. And I said, oh my God, how are we going to do it? But then I was reminded of Matthew 17 where God says, he said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, I could tell this mountain to move from hither to thither. And he did. God is a mountain-moving God. 
He will do exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I just praise his name and I just thank him. We still have money coming in. I have checks at home that I have not even submitted yet. We have money left over for next year's budget already. So give God a good praise offer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Peter. Hallelujah. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I want to share a verse with you that's been with me for the last year, but especially um, a lot recently. My, the, the leaders that I was working with, um, just God put it on their hearts to keep, keep texting me with this verse or telling me this verse in person, and I just want to share it with you. It's Galatians 6, 9, and it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap, reap a harvest if we do not give up. And we didn't give up. None of us gave up. And I just want to stand here before you today and just say thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. We wouldn't have ever been able to do this without you as a church, as individuals, with your, your special gifts and your special talents. Even if you don't think you have any, I think God showed you yesterday that you did, that you do have those gifts and talents. So I just want to thank you all for everything that you put into yesterday. Um, and thank you for praying for me and thank you for praying for everything that happened yesterday I felt your prayers um, on Friday night when we had the volunteer rally for all of you that were there I, I didn't expect that many people I was expecting maybe 900 a thousand people we had about 1500 people on on Friday night and I, I didn't even see everybody come in I was sitting down in the front and I turned around and I saw all these people and I just felt like I was gonna fall over and then um, when, when I was on the stage and everyone was praying for me, I really felt like I was going to fall over. There was people around me holding me up because the Spirit of God was just so strong in that room. And, and really, it was because of your prayers that this all came about. So I just want to thank you again. Thank you so much. Um, it wouldn't have been possible without you. It wouldn't have been possible. Keep praying for, for Convoy of Hope, for our leadership team. Um, that they get some rest, and uh, we'll keep a, an ear out and an eye open for more stories, because it doesn't end here. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gabrielle. Thank you. Great job, guys. Great job. Hey, and um, the greatest miracle is what God is doing in the lives of God's people to be able to go and reach people that are hurting and lost. And I, I'm glad to tell you that we said we needed 1,000 volunteers, and yesterday we had 21 hundred volunteers come on somebody say amen 2100 volunteers that is so exciting we're talking about today actually we're talking about having two of these same events one on eastern long island we already have God, that's another miracle god's already raised up a church and a pastor who said i'm going to lead it in riverhead or in that area and there are pastors that are telling me today, Pastor Steve, we've started a movement among the churches. Let's keep it going. Amen? Praise God. Just for a few moments, I won't keep you long this morning. And everybody said, that's a lie. But anyway, uh, I'll try my best, okay? If you would turn with me to Mark. And we're talking about painting a picture of a portrait of an unlikely hero. And this morning as we continue, I actually want to use Jesus as our role model. Obviously, everyone knows that Jesus was born into poverty. Jesus actually could have been on that line. 
he could have been one of those people that we were washing their feet because he was born in poverty. He was born in a stable. He wasn't born in a palace. He was a carpenter's son. And uh, back then they didn't have the union, so carpenters didn't make as much as they did today. Nothing was appealing about him. The Bible says in Isaiah that he had no form or comeliness about him that we should desire to say he is such a handsome or uh, appealing, charismatic person in his own physical appearance. And he died as a criminal. And so he is an unlikely hero. And in Mark chapter 5, we see Jesus modeling for us what it means to be a real unlikely hero. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus gives us the mark of a great hero. Let's read together. As we look at the background of this scripture, we, we know that Jesus is coming from the region of the Gadarenes. He actually crossed over the Galilean Sea. And as soon as he gets over to the other side, there's a man who meets him and he's demon-possessed. The Bible says that Jesus says, what's your name? And the man said, we are legion for there are many. And Jesus casts out the demon from this man. He's in his right mind. He wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus says to the man, you go and tell everyone else what God has done for you and now he gets back into the boat and he goes over to the other side and as he gets over to the other side there's a crowd of people that are pressing against because they've got need just like what we saw yesterday crowds of people waiting to, to, to get something that they needed whether it was food whether it was a miracle whatever it was yesterday was an illustration of 5,200 people that were coming pressing against us having a need and we Jesus we Jesus the body of Christ meeting that need was was incredible but the Bible says that they were pressing against Mark chapter 5 verse 21 when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, just like that man. Oh, please pray for my wife. Please, please pray for my family. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she might be healed and live. Remember, the people on the other side of the lake told him to leave. Why? Because he had cast out a demon and they were so afraid. He actually cast out legions of demons that he would, they were so afraid of him. Can you imagine? Jesus does a good thing and they tell him to leave. And now he comes to the other side of the lake and he, and he meets a man who is desperate. He meets a man who is so desperate that he falls at his feet. Notice, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He's a Jewish ruler of the synagogue and rulers of synagogues don't fall on their knees and beg a carpenter to heal their daughter. But he was so desperate. This man was so desperate that he would do anything to get his daughter healed. And then Jairus, he sees that Jesus is there. He falls on his knees and, and Jairus says something to Jesus. He says, if you only come and you pray for my daughter, she will be healed and live again. That's faith. His daughter is dying and he needs a miracle. Notice the intensity of the story. 
Notice how desperate this man is that he falls at Jesus' feet. Sometimes you've got to cry out to Jesus in desperation. Sometimes you've got to get as low as you can. You've got to humble yourself. And this man who's a ruler now is humbling himself as a beggar and he's asking Jesus desperately, my daughter is dying. I'm interceding for her. Please, would you come? And he's a desperate man. And there are desperate people all around us. There are desperate people that need to see the love of Jesus. They need to see people that are willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus, the mouthpiece of Jesus. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that, that, that he went, Jesus went, but on his way, notice, verse 24. So Jesus went with him, but on his way, the crowds began to press in to try to get to Jesus. Notice the story. Now he says, okay, I'm going to come with you. I'm going to go with you. And he starts walking. And the crowd starts chasing after Jesus. Because they need a miracle. They're really not concerned about the person next to them. They need a miracle. They're desperate. And they start chasing after. And they actually surround Jesus. And they're pushing in on Can you imagine that? There's no crowd control. Peter, there's no security. There's no fences around. People are all over Jesus. And the Bible says the crowd is pressing against Jesus. And as the crowd is pressing against Jesus, there's a woman who is determined to get her groceries. There's a woman that's determined to get to the medical clinic. There's a woman that's determined to get what she needs. And the Bible says she's full of faith. And she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And somehow, somehow, miraculously, I don't, I'll tell you what, she was probably an Italian woman, you know what I'm talking about? She was determined, man. And you, I'm telling you, you can't stop a determined Italian mother, right? And so she presses through, presses through. She, she crawls on the people's legs. No matter what she's got to do, she's going to get to Jesus. And she touches the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that virtue flows from Jesus. Power flows from Jesus and touches the woman. Bam! And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And his disciples say, Lord, what? Are you out of your mind? There's people all around you and you're asking, who touches? A lot of people touching him, but only one touched with faith. There's a lot of desperate people, but only those who have faith can really experience the power of God in their life. And so he, he feels faith. He feels power go through him. And the woman's embarrassed and she's afraid. She's thinking she's going to get in trouble because she broke the line. She broke the security line. She, she snuck under the fence. Somehow she got in there. She thought they were going to boot her out. But Jesus turns around and she says, it, it, it was me. She says, Jesus, you don't understand. Jesus, you don't understand. I, I, I've gone to every doctor. She said, I am broke. I'm on social services now. There's, there was no way that anyone else could help me. I went to every doctor and the bleeding continued for years and years. And I was so desperate. Lord, forgive me for, for being presumptuous. Forgive me for, for pressing in. But, but I needed a miracle. And Jesus said, daughter, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. What a story of humility. What a story of victory. And while this story is happening... One of the servants from the ruler's house comes back and, and says to Jairus, Jairus, I'm sorry. I don't even know how to tell you this, but it's too late. Your daughter, we, we, tried, to, we tried to do everything to, to keep her alive till Jesus came, but we couldn't help her. 
You know, let me tell you something. You can give somebody groceries, and that's awesome, and we need to do that. But the groceries are going to run out. The church needs to continue to do this. When the groceries run out, we need to have some more groceries. When people start to feel depressed in the middle of the week because their hair is getting a little longer from that haircut, we're going to need to still be there to do something about it. And by the way, we had a GED table. I don't know exactly who it was, but I got the news today that 60 people signed up for GED. So, wow, unbelievable, unbelievable. Was that, was that your table and somebody else? That, that, was your, that was your table, Joni? Oh, my goodness. And how many people signed up? Is that 200 flyers for GED? Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Another pastor, I was on the phone this morning with another pastor, and, and I guess he didn't know it was from our church. He's like, there was somebody from GED there, you know. I was like, oh, okay, there was somebody else other than us there, you know, because uh, I would have thought that he would have known who we are. And he said, he said, it was amazing. He says, we're going to start a GED in our church. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, you start a movement. You start a movement when you reach out. And so the Bible says that the, they came to Jesus said, too late, too late. Right? And at that moment, Jesus says something to Jairus. Jairus could have said, oh my goodness, I can't believe it's too late. But Jesus, notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, Jairus, he said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Wow. Jairus, don't fall apart. Just believe. Don't give up. But just believe, Jairus, because, because all things are possible with God. What, what a story. It's a story of faith. It's a story that declares to us that it's never too late. Can you imagine the scene? Some men come to Jairus and they tell him it's too late. There's no hope. Don't bother Jesus any longer with this situation. Your daughter is dead. Wow, what a blow to his faith. But listen to me. An unlikely hero chooses to believe even in the face of unbelievable situations. An unlikely hero chooses to believe even when the odds are stacked against them. They choose to continue to believe. An unlikely hero never quits. Never says die. Listen to me. All too often, the difference between heroes and non-heroes is timing. It's timing. Because the truth is, God has his own timing in our life. And let me tell you, there's a whole lot of people that they, they're just about to get their miracle, but they give up. They quit. Right before the miracle's going to happen. Let me tell you something. I was told by people, forget about it. I was told by other pastors, you're never going to get a group of people together. You're never going to get a group of pastors together. They're doing their own thing. I was told by a group of pastors, you're never going to make it happen in six months. It, it will never happen. They said, why don't you wait another year and a half? We'll do it, but wait, wait. And I said, no, God told me to do it on June the 9th, 2012. We're going to go ahead with this thing. And I was scared. And then when we called up the parks and they said, no, there's no way you're going to get the park. You know what you do? When somebody tells you there's no way, you get on your knees and you start fasting and praying. And the more the enemy pushes against you, you push against him in prayer. Come on, somebody say amen. You never, ever give up. Hallelujah. If God gave you the word, if God said it's going to happen, don't ever give up. Now, I know that there are times when you've got to reevaluate. I know there are times when you've got to say, did I hear God or did I miss God? 
There are times when you've got to go to counsel with pastors and other people say, did I miss God? But bless God when you know that God put something in your heart, when you know that thus saith the Lord, that God said he's going to do something in your life. Whatever it is, you don't give up. You press in. You keep on praying. You keep on believing because God is a miracle working God and he's always true to his word. Come on, somebody. An unlikely hero never quits. That's, that's really the difference. We're just ordinary people. That's all we are. We're not the smartest. We're not the wisest. We're not the brightest. We just never give up. And I pray today that God will give you a never say die spirit. Hallelujah. And I pray that God would give you a tenacious spirit. That's the problem with too many Christians. They're really wimpy. They're wimpy. When somebody says you can't do it, they run away and they cry. Oh, they told me that it can't happen. We fall apart. But Jesus says to Jairus, don't you fall apart on me now. Don't you give up now. There's a miracle that's waiting in your house. Don't you give up, but just believe. Hallelujah. The difference between non-heroes and heroes are heroes decide I'm going to believe God against all odds and I'm not going to quit. Notice what it says. It says, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Everybody else gave up. It's time to bury her. It's time to accept the fact, J. Iris, that she's dead. It's time to weep and mourn. It's time to give up and let go. But Mark chapter 5 tells us, Jesus ignored them. Friends, let me tell you something. There are certain people you need to learn how to ignore. I mean, just smile, but ignore them. Be nice. Be Christ-like. Yes, sister. Hallelujah. God bless you. Hallelujah. And ignore them. Because there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be cynical people. Listen, we put this whole thing on. And I can't tell you how many people came over to me after the whole thing was over. They didn't give me five minutes to rejoice and celebrate. They were already telling me, but Pastor Steve, but Pastor Steve. Oh, it was nice, Pastor Steve. But what about this? But what about that? You know what? I was like, yes, yeah. God bless you. I want to smack you right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I didn't tell them that. No, 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 no. Pastors are not allowed to say that, right? Yeah, call security. They'll smack them. <laughs> now, there's a time when you have to listen. But there's also a time when you need to say, that's not from God. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's not from God. Oh, your child, your son is never going to make it. That's not from God. They'll never get saved. That's not from God. God will never use you. That's not from God. It's impossible. Hey, let me tell you, when somebody tells you it's impossible, it's never, never of God. Why? Because all things are possible with God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. <laughs> Someone once said, when the world says give up, hope whispers, try one more time. I like Franklin D. Roosevelt, the rough rider. I like him. When you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Glory to God. Jesus ignored the doubters and the quitters, and he said, keep on going. Number two. Oh, I like this one from Winston Churchill. He's another one of my heroes. He was kind of rough around the edges, but he said, when you're going through hell, keep going. If you're going to be a winner, 
or an unlikely hero. You've got to determine who you're going to take on your faith journey. Listen to me. In other words, an unlikely hero, someone who really, really, really is going to make it, he's got to know that there are going to be some people he's got to take along with him and some people he can't take along with him. There are some women you can take along and some women you can't take along with you. Women. Why? Because some people are going to be doubters. And notice what it says. It says, but Jesus tells him, don't worry, don't fall apart, don't panic, just believe. And then it says this, right after this, and it says, and then Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Notice that. He didn't take the 12. He took Peter, James, and John. He had nine other disciples. But you know what? They weren't ready yet. One of them was a traitor. And Jesus knew exactly who he would take with him. Friends, let me tell you, you're on this faith journey and you can't do it all by yourself. You will never be able to do it all by yourself. I know Christians, they think, I'm just going to do this all by myself. You can't. You need brothers and sisters in Christ to help you. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, God is in our midst. Iron sharpens iron. And the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. We need brothers and sisters that will come along, people of faith, people that we can say, I want this person with me. Friends, let me tell you, I surround my, myself with some incredible people. In fact, I have a better staff than I am. They make me look really good. But let me tell you something. I surround my people, my with people of faith. I surround my people of prayer. Uh, I surround myself with people that love the Lord with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Friends, let me tell you, I've said this before. I'll tell you again. It's hard to soar like an eagle when you hang around with turkeys. You can't hang around with turkeys. And, and we've got to realize if we're going to be a hero, then we've got to choose our friends wisely. Young people, let me tell you something. You better choose your friends wisely. Because let me tell you, bad company corrupts good morals. And you show me your friends and I'll tell you what your future is going to look like. Come on, somebody. And we've got to decide that we're going we're gonna to surround ourselves with people of faith. That's why we need small groups. If you're in my foundations class, your next stop is small group. Everyone needs a small group where we can be encouraged, where we can mentor other people, where we take people along with us. An unlikely hero never lets the crowd, listen to me, never lets the crowd dictate what they're going to do. Now, crowds are scary. How many of you have ever been afraid in a crowd? Come on, let's be honest. You know, it might be a crowd of people that are anti-Christian. It might be a crowd of people that just really intimidate you. But you know what? An unlikely hero never allows the crowd to dictate what they're going to do. And friends, the crowd is against us today. Like never before, the crowd is against the Christian. We are swimming upstream, and we are going against the tide. People in governments are telling us today that we should believe this and not believe this. They're embracing things that are an abomination to God. Let me tell you something, friends. We never let the government, we never let people around us that are people of unbelief dictate what we believe and what we do. You see, if you're going to be a hero, you've got to choose. You've got to decide. And you've got to realize you're always going to be swimming upstream and going against the crowd. But God will give you strength. He'll give you courage. And God will give you whatever it takes to get to the other side. Come on, somebody say amen. We can't allow the crowd to dictate what we do. And I love this. An unlikely hero 
they can see things that no one else can see. Listen to me. An unlikely hero is an ordinary person who is the incubator of vision. Notice what it says in verse 38. When they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing. These people were depressed. These people gave up. They quit on their miracle. And the Bible says, He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at Him. Could you imagine? I mean, they were so upset, but they can get a laughter up. Because they were like, this guy is insane. He's crazy. Jesus, you're nuts. We saw the little girl die. We took her post. She's dead. And they laughed. The crowd gave up and they laughed at Jesus. But notice Jesus' response. The child is not dead but asleep. After he put them all out. You know, there's a time when we got to put some people out of our life. We got to know who we're bringing with us on the journey and we've got to know who we're going to put out of our life. He took the child's father and mother and his three faithful prayer warriors who were with him and went in where the child was. See, Jesus was never hindered by the crowd. Everyone was against him. Everyone fell apart. Everyone saw a dead girl. Jesus saw a living girl. Hallelujah. You see, a hero is one who is in an incubator of vision. See, a, an unlikely hero can see things that no one else can see. That's the difference between ordinary people and unlikely heroes. They can see what no one else can see. They can see life where everyone else sees death. They can see hope when everyone else sees hopelessness. They can see faith when there is no faith. Come on, somebody. They can see life in a graveyard. Hallelujah. Ezekiel, do you believe that these dry bones can live? Only you know. Ezekiel, prophesy in faith. Be an incubator of vision. These dry bones can come alive again. Friends, let me tell you something. It takes people who can see a whole area filled with 5,200 people. And it takes a, 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 a person of vision to say, you know what? We can raise up the volunteers and we can get the networks together and we can raise the finances. Why? Because God can do anything. You know what? A hero of the faith sees things that no one else can see. Listen to me. The truth is, if you're going to see miracles in your life, you've got to begin to see beyond your problem today. You've got to be able to see beyond your situation, and you've got to see a God that's a whole lot bigger than your situation. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. That's faith. Seeing beyond the problem. And I want to ask you a question this morning as I close. What do you see? Think about that for a moment, please. What do you see? When you pray, what do you see? The difference between a beggar and a child of God who knows their God is that the beggar begs and pleads because he doesn't know for sure if his God and his Father loves him. A child of God says, God, I know you love me. I know you have a plan for my life. And I know your word. And every promise in your book is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I don't come as a pauper. I don't come as a beggar. I come as a child of God because I can see 
what no one else can see. I can see God opening the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing upon my family. Opening the windows of heaven and pouring a blessing upon my life. I can see Jesus ministering to the hurting. Why? Because I can see life where there is death. John Scully said this, the future belongs to those who see possibility before they become obvious. Winston Churchill said this, the empire of the future are empires of the mind. Someone else said dissatisfaction and discouragement are not caused by absence of things but the absence of vision. The most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. Helen Keller, where there is no vision, people perish. Dreams, lofty dreams. And as your dream, so shall it become. Your vision is the promise of what you shall one day be. Your ideal is the prophecy of what you shall at last unveil in your life. What do you see? I know what I saw yesterday. But you know what? Before it became a reality, before I stepped onto that ground, and I saw the 5,200 people, I went there before anyone ever showed up on Friday morning. And I walked, listen to me, listen to me. And I walked around the perimeters of that area that would become a church filled with people, filled with 2,100 people that want to love people into the kingdom of God, filled with 5,200 people that are going to get their needs met. And as I was praying, as I was walking and praying, as I was walking around that field and I was praying and interceding all the way around that field, believing that God is going to give us that field. As I was walking around that field, stop talking in the foyer because I'm coming out here. I caught them in the foyer talking. How do you like that? As I was praying around that field and asking God to do a miracle, I didn't realize it. But God would take me to the corner of that field. And as I was praying, I looked up. And I saw a sight that reminded me of God's faithfulness. I looked up and I saw a tower. And it was the tower to Nassau Community College. And I stopped and I began to weep. Because when I looked up at that tower, I remembered a 19-year-old kid who was going to Nassau Community College who didn't know what God wanted to do in his life that one day stood right in front of that tower and I said, God, I'm not the most educated person in the world. And God, you know that I've got my own problems in my life, God. But I believe that you're a big God, that you're a wonderful God. And God, I believe that you've called me to make a difference in Nassau County. I believe that you've called me to make a difference in this community. And God, if you would use me, God, I would be open to whatever you called me to do. And 30 years later, I know you can't believe that. 30 years later, I'm standing on a ground across the street from this tower. And God reminds me, you see, I always keep my word. I always keep my word. I always keep my word. 
God's not looking for superstars. God's not looking for people that are intelligent. He's just looking for people that will stand in front of their tower and say, God, I want you to use me, God. God, I'm going to believe you against all odds, Lord. And I'll never give up. I'll never quit. And man, there have been many times when I wanted to throw in the towel. There have been many times when I wanted to quit the ministry. There have been many times when people have criticized me and said, you can't get the job done. But yesterday I was reminded when I saw all those people come in. God, you use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Never give up. Never quit. See things that no one else can see. Don't go with the crowd. Find a group of people that will go with you. Put some of them out of your life. Get rid of the naysayers. Get rid of the people that you're not equally yoked with. And take the journey of faith. God's going to bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. God, that you're a great God. You always keep your promises, God. And Lord, you've called us to be unlikely heroes. God, you've called us to do incredible things for your kingdom, God. Lord, here we are again on a Sunday morning saying, use me again, God. Father, don't stop now, God. Lord, we're not letting up, God. We're not giving in, Lord God, but we're starting a movement, God. Lord, we're starting a movement all over New York City, all over Long Island, God. We're starting a movement of love and grace, God. And it takes just one person, just one person. While your head is bowed, I want you to, I want you to listen to one last little story. Easter Sunday, 2,400 people come to church on Easter Sunday. I go out and share the gospel on the streets. Right down the block, there's a young man who cuts hair. I keep on preaching to him. His name is Dean. I keep on sharing the Lord with Dean. Dean comes to church on Easter Sunday, gives his life to the Lord. Friend, the newspaper clipping that I just put in your hands, I want you to go home and read it. That's Dean cutting somebody's hair. That's what God does. Hallelujah. A couple of months later, Dean gets saved. Now he's cutting somebody's hair for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Does God do miracles? Does God do miracles? God is a great God. He's an awesome God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I die to get there, I'd go to heaven. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need to get right with God today. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you right now. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody here today? Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? You say, I need to know that I'm forgiven of my sins and that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I want you to raise your hands. Anybody else? Yes, yes. Anybody else today? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to all stand right now and I'm going to ask you to do something right now for me. Would you please do something for me? No moving around. No moving around because, you know, let me tell you something. This is just as important as 5,200 people at a Convoy of Hope outreach. This is church today. And let me tell you, there's never a time that I'm going to pass an opportunity to usher somebody into the kingdom of God. If you raise your hand today, right now, this morning, and you say, Pastor, I need to know for certain that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Jesus is waiting for you right here.
And you say, Pastor, why do you make people get out of their seats? You know why? Because if you don't get out of your seat, come up here, then you're not serious about knowing about it. Because we've got a group of people right here. They're going to give you the information you need so that you can get on your way knowing for sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. No one should ever be doubtful about their eternal destiny. You know what? We can give people food. We can give people medical supplies. We can do all kinds of stuff. But you know what? The most important thing we can do, we are carriers of the gospel. The most important thing we can do is give people the opportunity for eternal life. If you raised your hand today, maybe you didn't raise your hand. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. And I want you to say, do you know for sure that if you die today, you'd go to heaven? If they say no, I want you to say, I'll go with you. And we'll go and pray and give our life to Jesus. If you raised your hand, I want you to get out of your seat right now. Meet me right here. If you raise your hand, come on, quickly, quickly. Come on, come on. Come on. Come on. You can do it. You're almost out of your seat. You can do it. You're almost there. Come on. Anybody want to come? You come right now. Come on. Come on. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one person gives their life to Christ. Anybody else? There were several people that raised your hands in the back. You say, I, I need to know for sure. You come out of your seat. We want to pray for you. Anybody else? Quickly. Anybody else? Quickly. We're not going to leave these folks up there by themselves, right? Because here's the second altar call. You say, Pastor Steve, there are times when I get afraid of the crowd. There are times when I, and I don't see what God wants me to see. And I want to be a person of faith. And I don't want to be a quitter. I don't ever want to give up. I want to continue to believe God for great things in my life. There's a couple of moments. We're going to come around the altar. Everybody, we're going to come around the altar and we're going to pray that God makes us people of vision and faith. Don't leave these two up here by themselves. Come on. Let's come right now and say, yes, God, make me a person of vision and faith. Come on. Come on. Quickly. Quickly. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Make me a person of vision and faith. Make me a person that believes. Come on, come on. I want to be used by God. Remember what I told you last week? I told you last week that every single week, every single week, hey, uh, Pastor Henry, this young lady right here, this young